Yo, 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 welcome back to the Arena World Podcast. Today, my conversation is with Marco Garcia. You know, I apologize, my voice is a little raspy here, but I'll tell you this much, he is alive, he is well, he is sharing his perspective on the Arena World Podcast. And I'm just going to say, there's definitely something to be learned here. Just as in every other episode, you really get a new perspective. Um, Marco and I don't agree on every single item, but we do bring up a bunch of valid points, and I think um, it's just... An opportunity to take in a lot of opinion all at once and while it sounds overwhelming I think you'll find we just hop around some topics so ever so elegantly that you can't help but enjoy it just kidding I just want to say thank you to everyone who is participating on the arena world online.com um, next week in that conversation I'm gonna go over some of the responses I got about the tax issues um, some people were mad at me for some of the things I said, but that's okay because we're here to learn and we're not here to judge. But anyway, I'll bring all that up and more um, in next week's episodes when it's just me. But this one you have Marco Garcia. I repeat, Marco Garcia He's a good friend of mine. He's very smart. He worked in computers. He mentions that he worked at uh, Fairfield University on some of their um, data protection stuff. And now he's working uh, on bigger and better things. And you'll enjoy the conversation. I promise. Please donate to the show via listener support. That is always available to you. Please vote on November 3rd if possible. Uh, make it happen. Absentee ballot or you know mail-in ballot, any other kind of ballot. Get your name on the ballot and submit it into the system. Remember to call your mom, go to the doctors, you know, and I am glad you're back. Yesterday, it seemed like the end of the world. Today, it doesn't matter. Um, A lot of, like, so first I think we should step back and define, like, what's the cloud? Because a lot of people, like, don't even know, like, what that that even means, right? It's just this magical term. People think of, like, you know, Dropbox and stuff like that because it's, like... So what I think the cloud is, and, and just correct me if I'm wrong, so I envision a wizard <laughs> with a staff. No, no. I kind of... The, I guess the most simple way that I understand it is sort of like like an ethereal hard drive. Does that make any sense? Kind of, yeah. So basically, I mean, at the core of what the cloud is, is basically someone else's computer that you are buying time on, right? right. So right now, so like the internet works... Right, mostly it has by to using exist somewhere yeah it has to you have to have yeah. a server that <laughs> exists yeah you have to have a server that exists somewhere right so what has happened over time is back in the day you used to you know have like a closet in the back of your office that you would have all of your servers in and just computers to run your your websites and your applications or you know your or, or your databases things like that right it used to all just be in the back of the closet but you encounter this problem with that where what happens if there's a fire at your building or something or what happens if uh, if like you know there's a bad disaster and then something goes wrong in that closet then all of your company's data is gone right, right. so what and that's well, happened a bunch yeah of no exactly and companies. exactly and what we've seen over the past 20 years and particularly the past 10 years is that internet speeds have gotten quick enough to where we can take these closets and put them in places that are that and sometimes are on the other side of the country. 
So that's so that's what these because you can access it. Yeah, because you can access it so quick now with the new with the higher speed internet that we have here now. So that's where we get this concept of data centers, right? Mm -hmm. Which are these massive like Costco sized warehouses full of servers and full of networks and equipment. Are they essentially like a big computer? Um, kind of. They're essentially uh, they're like thousands of computers that are just stacked on racks in one big warehouse and that's for security and to keep them cool and climate controlled and things like that so the next logical so from the closets that we had in our office the next logical step was this I, this thing called co-locations where you would pay a, a company who owns a data center x amount of dollars every month to put your own equipment in their data center right so, so i had to rent out part of their yeah place. so well no so now we're <laughs> now we're at this point where with the with the co-location model where i go and buy like buy my own servers but instead of putting them in my own closet i put them in your data center so now you're responsible for if anything happens like disaster fire what have you right yeah and that was pretty good, um, and that was the standard one for a long time. And but the problem is, is that you still had to own the hardware. You still had to own your own servers and stuff. So right. what the next logical step was is that you had Amazon was one of the first bigger players, and you also have smaller ones like DigitalOcean. But there, but the three big ones right now are Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and Google. Yeah. Okay. And what they did is they had these massive data centers already and they had all of this equipment. So they, uh, Amazon in particular said, all right, well, we have all of this extra equipment that's on anyway and we're not using it for our own stuff. So let's right. start renting out time on our machines. Yes. And that's kind of where the cloud got birthed. So instead some of- Some of these companies, some of these companies have really been able to be successful with that model. Not, not necessarily that model. Amazon is an exceptional thing, but even if you think about not not owning but taking advantage of the space and the time, like that's how Uber. Like Uber doesn't own a single vehicle, right? But somehow ma manages to track all of the time and get use of the vehicle. And yeah. So like, as far as far you know, this just makes me think. So, sorry, I digress real quick. Um, it's almost impossible to tax these co these companies in a traditional way because they don't fit the traditional definitions that you know our tax system is built on. Like, how are you going to fucking tax Amazon? You know, like, well, right. what, what do you grab onto? No, they, exactly. They be thorough, like kind exactly. Of, kind of no, like totally. Thing. It's a uh, it's a very it's a very ephemeral product because so what happens is. Yes. Good you, word. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good word. <laughs> you, you buy, uh, so like what happens is Amazon, like if I have like a website that I want to run, right? Mm. I go to Amazon now and for to run it in the cloud, I say, hey, I want to put my my website up on the internet, right? So they give me. Which uh, I just did. Yeah. So they give me <laughs> a piece of, huh, nice shout out. So they give, give me a piece of, uh, of their resources that they have like their computer resources that they have i run my computer or i run my um my website on those resources that they rent to me and then i'm paying them i think it's last check for like the smallest one they have it's like four or five cents a minute right yeah, for yeah. to uh, so it's billed by the minute right and oh, wow. that's and interesting. that's a good way to make money no it is so so what ends up happening is um like you said, it's hard to tax that kind of stuff because, you know, how do you like they, how do you come up with a tax system that is going to be able to handle 
hang on. Yeah, hang on, or just even be aware of these. So, for instance, exactly. is like the one of the yeah, yeah one of the other things that you can do with like cloud services is is if I have my website that's running over here in the U.S. East Coast, right? Mm -hmm. On Amazon, I can also run that site in like the U.S. West Coast, and I can keep popping up new little bits of uh, server to host my website anywhere in the world that they like let me. Mm -hmm. And I can do that as many number of times as I want. So the question becomes like, I, know, I mean, I'm sure they have a tax scheme that they're using to, to do it. I just am not familiar with it because I'm not an accountant. But um, no, I imagine that there's a lot of problems that come with that kind of, uh, with that kind of yeah, no, thing. Because you're selling, you're selling, uh, you're selling like a service, but the service for lack of a better term is like very hard to track, you know, it's very yeah. hard to track, um, like that, like definitely and so that's millions and term. billions of transactions every day, you know? Yes, Things exactly. Like so that's exactly why I said the term definition and, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on the accountant, but the lawyers are really the ones who beat the tax code. Oh, you know, that, that's, that's what I used to do. Um, I worked for a company that had assets in at least 20 countries and I was essentially tasked with making it as, as tax friendly as possible. Right. Yeah. I had to, and, and that's exactly what a company should do. Like if, if you have a system where you need to make the money and it, you're going to find, you're going to hire the best people you can from Yale and Harvard and they're going to attack the system as hard as possible absolutely and they're gonna and they're gonna obviously take every penny from you and that's that's just like the nature of the beast but um exactly so sorry I kind of went on a little bit but it comes back to the idea of the definitions right so what a lawyer focuses focuses on in these documents is the definitions and what a judge needs to focus on is the definition and, right and you can't slam the gavel on a like an Amazon transaction for you would never be able to quantify or write, you know, write it down what, what that is. And I mean, obviously that's kind of a poor example, but you, you see what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. And I mean, I, I think that at this point I'm talking a little bit out of my, out of my depth because you're getting into legal and tax law that surrounds cloud computing. And that's not something that, Oh yeah. I don't um, know. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, I, but just in general. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but, um, I mean, yeah, no, and that kind of gets to gets to the heart of the problem with like the way that uh, um, that business is done in America, especially when it comes to this tax is code. Is that you know the idea here is you know fuck you, I want to get mine, and um, it then... sounds like you're saying money isn't necessary. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a conversation for like two hours from now. But... <laughs> well, you know um, what I will say. Joe Jorgensen says taxation is theft, and I also have a T-shirt that says taxation is theft. And I want to see what you think about that. I'll say this: I don't. I think vast amounts of federal taxes that we pay now probably could go in that category. I don't think, obviously, taxation overall as a whole is a theft, but I think. You know, you can't really. I, I think it's become a little excessive. Taking twenty five percent plus, you know, six from that state, or you know, eight ten from the state, or zero from Texas, whatever. Um, I think that becomes a little intrusive. So that's kind of what I see and what I feel about that. But um, I was uh, you know, I know, I know you're a little uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about some third parties. 
So I was, I was trying to see what, you, what your thoughts were in this vein. Well, I wouldn't qualify myself as a libertarian by any means. To, to start, to start <laughs> it's hard that. to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I will say on this topic of, of quote, taxation is theft, I've always strongly disagreed with that sentiment on the, on the grounds that, I don't know, if you, if you go back even to like, we were talking before you hit record, like the starting foundations of like Western society and like the Western idea of the state, going right. back to like thinkers like John Locke and people like that, right? They there's this idea that the purpose of the state is is to provide protection and and some kind of support to the people. Otherwise, why would you why would a person give up their natural rights in order to submit to a state unless they were getting something in return, right? So I think that kind of, if you extrapolate that out, the idea that taxation is theft is kind of a silly notion to me because as a society, we operate in a collective mode. Like it, this idea in America of rugged individualism, like it's a very romantic and it goes back to the old West, but like it's not reality, right? Like society operates as a collective. We all work together. If everyone was a wild West, you know, like I'm going to do my own my own yeah. thing then nothing then you know we wouldn't have gotten past the hunter-gatherer stage as humans right so i think that um taxa taxation Definitely. taxation is just a logical extension under the capitalist mode of mode like model that we have where currency is a, is a medium of exchange right right uh taxation is kind of like the only logical way that you can um collectively produce these projects because right. because so so all all money is is for lack of a better term capital right well i guess that it's the that's the perfect term money is capital right um so individually the government like right now has like you know it has um like as much capital as it wants because it's this huge entity right but right. in order to get that to, in order to get that kind of power, then we all have to collectively agree, yes, we're going to submit to the government and say, yes, I agree to be governed by this by this state, right? Right. So okay. by doing that, by giving taxes, then we're just collectively pooling our capital in order for the benefit of everyone. So this idea that taxation is theft kind of just doesn't make sense to me because it's too like individualistic for right, re right. the real world. And... You know, at the in the essential level and at the base level of creating a society, I agree. But what where I think I'm coming from when I say that and when I agree with what you says, it's more of a take away from the nonsense that we're currently entrenched in. Like I I would think if we had some of that spirit in the government now, I think it would move start moving us in a direction further away from this arguably insolvent current system that we have you know like i don't i don't think there's anything it's tax dollars aren't going to solve this problem <laughs> that that's what i'll say right there, there's we've leveraged it so hard that honestly taking any more money is is debatably an injustice to the people um but hey you know we're, I, you know, I, this isn't a perfect world where you can just erase the national debt. Or, you know, obviously, I would prefer to live well, in a place where we agreed on what our taxes would go to, and sure. it didn't get destroyed I, this far. I think, I think a big first step would be, you know, to to stop spending 
hundreds of billions of dollars every year on military stuff. Like, I don't think that the United States needs a base in every single country on Earth. I don't know. I don't like. I don't think that we need a. I don't think that we need a navy that is ten times as as large as like, or is as large as our next ten largest competitors. But right, not right, eight right. of those are our allies. Well, you well know? what we are starting to see, I think, is that there is some warfare that is existing in this way, or in other ways. And it's not, it's making our military seem mute and it's, and it's making that money seem even less and less valuable, I think. Because, you know, we know, and this is something that I want to talk to you about too. Like, so what do you think is the likelihood that, like, you know, you hear about Russians trying to hack into systems and take down grids and things like that? Like, from what you might know about this stuff, right. is, it, is this a feasible thing? Like, the, pow- I- the power grid thing? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if, in fact, there have been. Um, reports in the past couple of years of, and not just Russian state. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, you know, the, once you get to that level, it is state actors. But you know, it's Russia, North Korea, China. Um, so is 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 it China that's the main threat? Um, I mean, I'm, those I, those it, big three, those big three, Russia, China, and North Korea. They are the ones that I believe have the the capability to to actually do something to the United States power grid. And I think that one of the one of the ways um, that we can get a, around that and kind of harden ourselves to that kind of threat, because right now how it works is our power grid is not very modular, so it's very it's a very right. monolithic system. So like if yeah. if one transformer goes, like you know we just got hit by a huge storm here in Connecticut, if one transformer goes, an entire block will go down, right? Exactly. So. If you are attacking, you know, if you're a Russian or Chinese or North Korean state actor and you're trying to bring down the United States, then you would target, you know, huge electrical substations and power generation stations and things like that that are providing providing power for millions of people. And if you if they successfully were to um, take those out or damage them in some way by turning up the turbines or something like that then they could feasibly like completely disrupt the like the way of life that we're Wait, what's the uh, what's the movie bruce willis movie with the uh don't they make the like the generators like flow into each other or something yeah it's yeah like no it's something, something like that but even even <laughs> outside of even outside of outside of hollywood um as an example of how this can actually be done in wait in, life happens outside yeah of right <laughs> what do you mean um the a couple of years ago um uh it was probably like five or six years ago or or even longer it's hard to keep track at this point but um the iranians were getting very close to um to getting to the point where they had enough enriched uranium to like do stuff with it right Right. and how you enrich uranium is you have these centrifuges machines that run like super quick to separate the uranium right Mm -hmm. um so all you need to do is get it to a certain yeah uh, exactly exactly it becomes exactly so they have these massive centrifuges that are hooked up to these like huge control machines right and what the united states government actually did or well they were working in conjunction with like israeli intelligence and stuff but Mm -hmm. what they ended up doing is releasing this virus called stuxnet and what stuxnet did is that it bounced around (laughs) (laughs) what stuxnet did is that it bounced around um in, in computer networks all over the world looking for this very specific um 
piece of hardware that like was only found in Iranian centrifuges. It was like this custom piece of hardware, like this custom circuit board that was like uh, only made in Iran, right? It sounded like a radar ping out. Basically. Almost. So they so they sent this wow, thing out. Wow, that's cool. And this this virus would be completely benign and you wouldn't even notice it on your network and it right. would just move on if you didn't have if it didn't detect that you had this little board on your network right, for the right. centrifuge. But then as soon as it got into the secure facility in Iran that the centrifuges were were in it, it took control of this little circuit board. It detected it, activated itself, took control Wait, of these I'm little sorry. circuit boards. Hold, hold on. Yeah. So, well, didn't you say it was the Iranian, uh, or you know, supposedly or allegedly the Iranian who created it? No, no. So, so the Iranians were um, were uh, um, purifying uranium in their centrifuges. So the American, American and Israeli oh, we intelligence. To see if they were doing that. No, we wanted to destroy what they were doing. Okay, go on. So go what? On. So what we ended up doing? So Stuxnet finally That's found its way after. Oh my god! After after a, a year or two of just being out in the wild and not getting any hits, it eventually somehow, and I forget the specifics, but somehow found the virus found its way into this secure facility in Iran that had the centrifuges, and it detected that the virus sends out this scan on the network and it sees, oh, I see this little chip for the centrifuges that I was programmed to attack. And so it activates, it attacked the chip, took control of the centrifuges, turned them up to like 300% what they were supposed to, the speed that they were supposed to turn at, at like max, and destroyed, and destroyed them. them. Wow. And so the United States and Israel completely blew out um, this one facility's ability to enrich uranium for like um, at least a couple of years because they completely destroyed these machines. Ah. So if, if you apply this on the other end, right, what happens if Russia, China, or North Korea, or Iran goes and attacks, like, centrifuges at, like, um, you know, an American power plant, right? When we're using these huge turbines that are turning every day at, like, super high speeds to produce power, our power for us. Right. If they were to take those out then you would cause rolling blackouts all over the country and it would be completely disruptive. And so I guess your next logical question is, well, what the fuck do we do about this? Well, right? wait, 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 one second. <laughs> it's ideas like this, though, that are freaky and that I think are why I am slow to concede the military budget because of the safety aspect. Okay, so I would first off have to say that I pr largely don't agree with how the budget is applied, but... Just in the idea of spending a lot on keeping things safe, just that I—that's I, why I'm—I'm I'm slow to concede that, because if you ask me, I would every single time prefer to be the country doing it. And as you know, as dirty as that sounds, you know, we're we're in a place where not many people like this country too much, and we do live here with a lot of other people that we need to keep safe. And you know, people die all the time and it's a hairy hairy subject but um i as far as that shit you know because that's that you know that's exactly what i was hoping you would know something about something yeah. like that <laughs> because that kind of stuff is really what i think like jars people and it's like oh this is like really the game that we're playing now i was just thinking about edward snowden yeah because this guy, I think, is important. And I think, um, I don't Why it popped up is because I feel that he has always warned of some of these things <laughs> that, that we're starting to see. And I'm wondering, um, is he, like, in, in your eyes, do you think he's, like, 
a god and like the savior and the bringer uh, <laughs> of everything, or do you think he's uh, just another player? I think that I think that uh, I wouldn't. I think that he's definitely a hero. He definitely uncovered things that the United States government was doing under the Patriot Act and is still doing to this day under the Patriot Act. Have you watched Patriot Act? I haven't. I haven't watched it. <laughs> it's pretty good. But it's um, honestly, it's a little too left for what I think should be on television because I think it's dangerous what you do on television, but it's pretty good. I think that, um, what's it called? Um, everyone who listens to this should go and Google what the PRISM program was where basically the NSA was sifting through mm-hmm. Thousands of people's data for their cell phone metadata usage, like unwarranted. I agree. We need to be um, fully aware of that. And I mean, I think it just—I think it just goes to show that taxes paid for that. I just saying. The military-industrial complex made it possible. Maybe if we poured less money, maybe if we poured less money into the military, they would. No, I know, I know. But um, yeah, no, but um, you know, I definitely think that uh, that. It raises a lot of scary prospects because for everything that Edward Snowden told us about, and that came out like what, like six, seven years ago at this point? Yeah. You know, for everything that Edward Snowden told us about seven years ago, the NSA has a hundred new programs that are still in the dark that we've never heard about. You know, I, I think that he's held up too much as a, as this kind of like cybersecurity guru God. Um, From what I've seen, he was uh, kind of like mid-level technical uh, guy in in the NSA, it's not to knock like his technical chops, but he definitely wasn't like the absolute end all be all expert like everyone makes him out to be. How mm-hmm. he how he got the files out was he got someone's admin password and copied them to a flash drive. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, you know, he's not. He didn't hack the NSA. He didn't like you mm-hmm. know he was working there and he took files he wasn't supposed to. Um, I definitely think that he shouldn't be charged for that and I think that he's justified in running away because I would too because the US yeah. government has a great way of <laughs> people winding up dead in their custody nowadays so <laughs> so what is uh, quantum supremacy you know, uh, there, there's this common pattern right where America gets involved in conflicts um, and you say going back to what you said you know you, you, you say you know we got a lot of people who don't like America yes. and you got and and I understand that it's hard to, to break out of the mindset because we both live here. We were both born here, right? But there's a reason why people hate America. Like, there's a, there, like, there's a reason why, you know, like, not many people know that, like, from the, ni- from, like, the early 1900s up until now, there have been, like, 70 interventions of U.S. military or CIA or FBI in Latin America, right? So, like... Yeah, like we've supported, we've supported horrible, we've supported horrible dictators. We've cooed democratically elected governments. We've started wars for natural resources. I mean, you know, even just now, we we're supporting a coup in Bolivia right now, right, where they overthrew the government because because the government. What option do you take? Do you do you move? No, we fix this country so that we're less we're less shitty to the rest of the world, and then maybe people won't hate us as much. You know, the best way to make the next generation of terrorists is to go kill someone's dad. And we do a lot of that. Yeah, we do. So, you know, like, and it, let's be honest, dude. Like, well, if, yeah, so, I mean, if, some, if some other country, mirror. if some other country, right, came, you're just chilling, right? 
you're like 10 years old, right? You're just chilling. Your life is like, you know, normal, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like these, these dudes come in and then they shoot your dad in the face, right? You're going to hate those dudes for the rest of your life. Are you not? Like, that's a logical thing, right? Definitely. So, you know, the best way that we can stop this hatred and stop like the next generation of global terror of like terrorism and like people who hate America or, you know, is to not cause the things that cause people to hate America, you know, like, so then there's a, so, so then what, so what about this? So then what happens when we get, you know, the CEOs of these big companies of the, you know, of the military industrial complex, we get them in front of the Senate, you know, that's supposed to be the essence of the United States that we get to, you know, make this claim. Like these are the representative officials of this nation mm-hmm. and they, you know, I don't know if you watched a couple of days ago, but they had Mark Beso, uh, Jeff yeah. Bezos, they yeah, had everybody up there. And they just sit there and bludgeon them with questions all day. Like, right. how could you do this? How could you do this? How could you do this? And then it just seems like it falls on deaf ears. So what, what, what do we do with that? Where do we move forward with that? What do you think? In terms of what? In terms of like what we were just talking about? Well, about if we're going to effectuate the things that we're talking about, something has to happen because it, you know, I think largely it's a popular opinion that we meddle in things that we don't need to. Yes, we need to be safe. Yes, we need to be secure and things, you know, the American overarching halo is important to our identity and culture. Fine. But still, things are not where they need to be. And largely we recognize that. And it's erupting through the country at this time, right? So how do you solve all of the problems of the world? (laughs) Please explain. (laughs) That's all I'm oh, trying man. to figure out. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> just a couple small questions, right? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I think that I think that the 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 first big change that you know we have to make is, um, you know, we have a system right now in in the United States that perpetuates itself, where you have, and, and I'm going to sound a lot like Bernie Sanders right now, where you have the you know top one percent making billions upon billions of dollars, you know, every year. You sound like a large percentage of America. Then, yeah, right no, now. exactly. And then yeah, they're yeah. just, and then everyone else is. You sound like a, the 99%. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's having a really hard time getting by, especially in a pandemic like, like this. And especially in times like this, you know, we're getting to a very, and I'm sad to say this, but a very dangerous point in, this is in a society because Right now, you have a pandemic raging. You have millions of people out of work. You have people about to get millions of people about to get evicted because Congress can't get its shit together and make it and pass another stimulus package. Letting you us have, down. You have Our you elected have elected officials. Can and, I have a beer? Yeah, go for it. And I think that you know we we have this. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> we have the we have we're, we're, we're at this very dangerous uh, dangerous time in a society because you have all of these boiling f- contributing factors that individually can be dealt with, you know, uh, reasonably, but there there comes a time where all of these issues come to a head and unfortunately we're at a time right now where a lot of people have nothing nothing to lose and I think that we're going to sadly start seeing the effects of that relatively when the soon. dragon rears its head, eh? Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that this is, uh, I think that this, uh, that this whole predicament that we're in right now with the, the way the economy and Trump and, um, and the virus, uh, the virus and stuff, I think that it just goes to show that this 
you mentioned this halo of the American system that we all hold, hold so idea, uh, ideal. I think that this whole experience hopefully will show most people that that's largely a myth that we were taught in school. A facade? That American exceptionalism is, is something that isn't really, um, you know, there's not a lot true to it. Have we done a lot of great things? Sure, but we've also mm. done a lot of... Well, I can't let you get away with that one. I mean... Sure, go ahead. You know, I got examples. Uh, no, of course. I mean, dude, I am all for recognizing the blemishes. But, I mean, when you, when you look at um, what we've fostered in the way of many different avenues of health, success... You know, the, just the experiment of the free market system has created a lot of the modern technology that we play with and now can use in a more um, beneficial way for, sure. for the world. It, it it was the gasoline in a lot of ways. And when, you know, when we read um, some important books in socialism and um, we recognize that, you know, it was just the vehicle to find a place where we can all share in society much right. easily, much more easily. Um, so I, I don't like to discredit. Well, and I, and I think to push back on what, what you're saying, I think that the situation that we find ourselves in right now and what I was going for um, before was uh, to say was that the situation we're in right now kind of shows that this idea of the halo of this free market American system being the being the best system that we can possibly come up with, right? Or the best system and has done all this good for everyone. It all collapsed in the past couple of months. Like the economy shrank thirty percent of our GDP with a, a virus. Like we got well, one bad. GDP is fake. We got all right, but we got one bad president, right? Or well, we've had a lot of bad presidents. Yes, but that's a whole other thing. We have a we have a hor we have a, a we have a horrible president. Right. And that compounded with a virus. And we've seen this almost complete collapse of American like capitalism. You have company like uh, the only things that are the only companies that are geared to survive this thing are massive conglomerates. Like most restaurants are closing for good. Most yeah, small yeah, companies yeah. are closing for good. I think that this I, this idea that the American free market capitalist way of system is the best way to do things. And it's the best way to, to that we can manage um, society and we should export it to the rest of the world. I think, frankly, it's not. It's not true. I think that. Well, of course, and no, I know, think, and I think, I think we're agreeing on that. I because... think that, and I think that you know the fact that there's six empty empty houses in this country for every homeless person in this country. When it's chia, uh, like that's that's a travesty to me. Like we're the richest country on earth, and yeah, it's yeah. been shown that it's been actually shown that it's cheaper to okay, just but give why homeless we people become the richest, right? So. Well, I, that's I a whole, and I think because we wrote about, because we wrote the the rule book after World War Two. That's okay. why we became the richest. Okay, and, right, and that has a lot to do with what I was saying. Is I'd rather be pulling the strings, but what I'm saying is, it this is a this was I believe the vehicle that put us in the position to now hopefully pivot to sure. something better. No, I mean even even and, and, and that is the beauty of the American system, and you know. Is it well? I Rome mean, is no longer a thing, right? Sure. Like, think, you know, we will develop, and I, and I love this country, and what it's gonna, it will probably be a country from now on. Don't quote me on that. Hmm. I'll check back I, with you in like December, right? December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it's freaky times, but um, you know, as long as we keep the intent right, and 
what is that what is that intent what is it what do you think that the intent of the american free market system has been for the past hundred years because i think that that's to to expand your capital to make uh more okay is that is that a morally just system um largely no okay so why should we endorse and wholeheartedly agree with a system that you even agree now is fundamentally morally unjust i don't even think that at all i think again that it was important for a time sure and i don't think it's any um surprise to the world that these views a lot of what you're saying now is becoming so popular in this country and people are scared of it but sometimes it comes off abrasive and sometimes it it comes off tough but really i you know i think we're all just pushing for a reallocation of some important resources like sure and i mean but you can't even wait excuse me one second though so you can't even but you can't even say that without sounding like an anarchist you can't even say things like that without making it seem like you're trying to tear down well yeah and i think that i think that that goes to show that you know people there's another unpopular opinion that he might disagree with, but I think, but people always point to. I don't think we've disagreed too much. And you know, just uh, people always point to uh, like North Korea and China and like the kind of propaganda that the government puts out there, right? Mm-hmm. And they're Are always getting there. Is that what you're saying? No, well, and uh, well, and everyone's always saying, you know, like, oh, haha, that's so ridiculous. Like, how could anyone take that seriously? Like, I've watched North Korean propaganda on YouTube and stuff. It's ridiculous. It's well, the most right, ridiculous. We're from the United States, exactly. But I think that most people in the United States fail to realize that um, we we have the best propaganda system in the world that the world has ever seen, hands down, bar none. And, um, that, and that comes along with being and, a successful uh, it's, country. And it's 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 the 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 media companies, it's the history textbooks, it's the curriculums that you teach in school. The best way to to skew what really happened in history is to give like three generations of children misinformation and like once you can get past three generations of passing off misinformation as fact then you get ridiculous ideas like columbus was a good person you know and you get ridiculous ideas that like native americans willingly gave up their land to colonists like i learned that when i was in elementary school and it's not true and i think that that kind of misinformation that we feed our children feeds into this kind of idea of american exceptionalism because we don't teach what really happened you know like yeah thanksgiving happened thanksgiving happened but three weeks later if this is the system we pay into well again i think that i think that (laughs) i think that the allocation and the execution of how we use those funds should be changed i think that I think but but I, I still fundamentally think that you know the collective pooling of resources is how society functions yeah that's how but you know, um, put the corn in the basket yeah no we'll exactly bring it back home exactly <laughs> that's <laughs> all and um, but yeah no I, I definitely um, I definitely think that um, that we have a lot of mi- miseducation in this country mm-hmm. and it's gone back for for decades it's I mean the bad. fact I mean just look at you know, this is kind of anecdotal, but the fact that you go to a history textbook, right, and they'll have pictures of like the of like things that are going on in like the nineteen fifties and sixties, and it'll be like color photos, right? But then you get to the civil rights page, and all of them are in black and white. You know, it's right, because right. it's because there's this conceited effort to kind of make these things seem like they were longer ago than they actually were. 
You know, like there are people alive to like the the first. Hmm, that's interesting. There's a you know the the little girl who like was the first person to desegregate that high school down south or that that elementary school down south that like got escorted in by the by the National Guard or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. in the sixties, right? She's still alive. Before. You know, yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. that old. She's like sixty something. She's like right. younger than my grandmother. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so like these things aren't that far right, away, right. and I think that there's definitely. You know, and that again, that's an anecdotal example that, you know, is, you know, there's obvious other reasons for printing in black and white for so color, this, but. So what do you, so what do you think to this? And we don't have to dwell on the topic too much, but I think maybe this country is the most well positioned to realize the collective goals that we kind of all are trying to live under and move towards. On the west coast, well, on the west side of the world. <laughs> well, I think, how's, this? Uh, how's this? And I think that what you've been getting to a lot um, when I'm like critiquing capitalism is that you're like, yeah, you, you keep saying this point of like, yeah, um, I agree with you, but you know, don't we think that we can like pivot and go to this other thing, right? And that's not like really a new idea. Like if you read like even going back to like Mark, Karl Marx's Das Kapital, right? Mm -hmm. In Das Kapital, he describes the what he calls the march of history or mm -hmm. something of that effect, where um, where each the technology of each phase of history sows the seeds of that phase's destruction. Right. Wow. So so for instance, um, agriculture made hunter gathering obsolete, and then feudalism and agriculture became a thing, and like the city states and ancient and history and stuff, and then the industrial revolution made feudalism obsolete. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's just the way those systems clashed and right and what and right. industrialization won, won out Capital. so now it's so now Capital, so, really. so yeah so so now we're at this stage where we're i think we're very much like you know we're probably like you know 100 years out probably but i definitely think that we're getting to the point where modern capitalism which replaced like mercantilism in the 1700s but like modern capitalism is um eventually going to reach a point where there's a piece of technology that makes the system move. So I strongly believe that... Blockchain! I strongly believe that, for instance, um, 3D printing, given like another, another hundred years of advancement in 3D printing, the idea of capitalism is basically that the idea that there's scarcity and that you need supply chains and logistics and you can make money off of those logistics and supply chains to supply right, scarcity. Exactly. So you can supply a scarcity right. to someone who wants it, right? But if I have a nanofabricator, right, and I can put in What's like a nanofabricator. All right, it's like all right, so like three D printers, right? Yeah. Let's say let's say let's say I have a three D printer, but it's a hundred years from now. So instead of laying out layers of plastic, I'm laying out like layers of molecules and right. atoms, right? Right, right? Like so like super so like fabricating things on a cool. nano scale, right? Yeah. yeah. Scarcity kind of goes out the window if I can if I can just print whatever I want, right? And and again, this is like still seems like kind of crazy out there sci-fi technology, but like we have the basis, like three D printers and additive manufacturing and like nanomaterials. They're already fields of study that exist and are being like looked into heavily by by engineers and scientists. So I, I definitely think that like within the next like hundred hundred and fifty years, um, that that scarcity that makes capitalism work isn't going to be as prominent you know no, yeah I, I absolutely agree and we're, we're seeing it and we're seeing it i think that's why it becomes so easy for these large companies to grow so quickly they, they take advantage of that to the 10th degree and once there's the right capital there you can really you know you can 
we as far as anything that we really do need, I mean, you know, eventually we'll be able to to print the organs regularly, sure. and, and there will be no like no issues. But uh, for right now, you, people still need to receive, and, and they, we're just kind. I'm just kind of reiterating your point, is that you know these companies have been able to use the infrastructure in a way that is unparalleled, hard to define, like we were saying sure. before. And it's kind of created this, this, um, this monster thing. Anyway, I, I, you know what, ju- you know what just popped up to me. Um... All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's how we're gonna edit today. The truth is, we had maybe an hour, an hour fifteen, an hour twenty more recorded. But I'm thinking we're either we're just gonna do a part two, or a part. See you again, Marco, in the studio, because we clearly can touch on some pretty good topics. So. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Arena World Podcast. Remember to hit it up on all the social medias, T-W-I-T underscore A-W-E. That's Twitter. Instagram is at I-N-S-T underscore A-W-E. Find me anywhere you find the words on the phone. I'm there. Also, Arena World Online is the best place to talk about anything because it's a new haven. It's a new safe haven of free speech, a new bastion of speech, if you will. So enjoy. Thanks again for coming.